Dan Perkins Media presents a unique and exciting program. Truth Starts Now, a conversation with Dan Perkins. The left has taken away your rights to freedom of speech. Truth Starts Now is a platform for you to regain your voice. America and Americans will be better off if we can have civil and respectful conversations about the day's important issues. Now, here's your host, Dan Perkins. Welcome back to The Truth Starts Here. Joining us today is author and scientist Steve Gorham, author of The Green Breakdown, The Coming Renewable Energy Failure, is with us today. And I said to him before the show, there were two paragraphs, but I'll only read a couple, couple of lines out of them that I thought were so perfect, not only for the basis for this conversation, but for what people need to, to know. And it says, quote, Think wind, solar, and batteries can replace hydrocarbon fuel that power our modern industrial society? Question mark. Green breakdown shows why net the net zero agenda, a forced transition of renewable energy, is costly, dangerous, and destined to fail. Welcome to the show. Hey, Dan. Great to join you. Thank you. We had a, a conversation before the show about a lot of different things. Tell us about the book and what you were trying to do. Today, we have just a little background. Today, we have about one-seventh of the world, the wealthy world, pursuing a policy called net zero. That's the United States, Europe, Canada, New Zealand, Australia, and a few other nations. And the idea here is that they're proposing and they're pushing that we do an energy transition away from coal, oil, and natural gas or hydrocarbon fuels and replace those with wind, solar, and biofuels by year 2050 and also try and get rid of all carbon dioxide emissions and what they can't uh, reduce, they want a carbon dioxide capture. And this is this is beyond a reach out plan. This is uh, more like a, a, a wish and a prayer. It really is an impossible uh, job, but it is going to have a tremendous impact and it already is on many of the citizens of the world. And what we're gonna see are higher energy prices, electricity blackouts, less freedom because they want to take away your gasoline car and gas stove, and transnational energy shocks like we've seen in Europe in the last year or so. This is going to break down. It's not going to occur. And that's what the book is about. The book's a complete discussion of all parts of the energy transition, utilities, home appliances, electric vehicles, heavy industry, heavy shipping, like heavy transportation, like aircraft and shipping, uh, heavy industry, and then a uh, big section on the breakdown in Europe. It's amazing to me how much coordinated effort there has been to try and get this done. And yet you said before we started today that six-sevenths of the world is still spewing out carbon monoxide. Well, they're still trying to grow. I mean, if you if you have an air conditioner in the United States, and most people do, it uses more electricity than about a third of the world. Uh, we have 700 million people without access to electricity today. We have 2 billion people that have blackouts or brownouts every single day. In the United States, we have about one car for every person, one vehicle, not car. Uh, in India, it's 20 people or in Southeast Asia. Uh, we use uh, 15 or 20 times more plastic than everyone else in the world. These nations are going to develop. And the only way to develop them is with hydrocarbon fuels, not with wind and solar so we're going to have emissions rise for, for at least a couple of decades, and, and net zero is not going to be able to stop that. I said to you in the pre-show that as I looked at what's going on, it seems to me that 
we have a situation, at least in the United States, but probably on a, on a global basis, that the elitists who are behind this global warming climate change issue believe they're, they're smarter than God, that they, they can do something that man his entire history has never been able to do, and that is control the weather. The idea that they believe they're smart enough to make it happen seems to me incredibly egotistical. It is, and it is really a modern superstition. Uh, we had the Aztecs about uh, 1,200 that would literally sacrifice people to try and keep the sun moving across the sky, and they would they would pull out their hearts. In the Middle Ages, we had, and, and this has been documented by papers from uh, Harvard University and elsewhere, hundreds of, thousand, uh, hundreds of thousands of people were burned at the stake because their neighbor convinced people that they were witches. And uh, in the Middle Ages, about 16, 1700, we had crops failing and we had uh, cold summers. Now, though, you know, we 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 believe your neighbor, your neighbor's SUV, is causing the weather to be stronger or more frequent. I mean, it really is a modern superstition, and it's driven by computer models. But if you really look closely at the evidence, you see we're not having more storms and floods. Uh, we're not having more droughts. Temperatures are, are rising a little bit, but they're lower than and many past temperatures. The oceans have been rising, but they've been rising for 20,000 years. And carbon dioxide is not the driver of all of this, despite what the press says. So if we look at the idea, there have been so many forecasts and predictions of things that were going to happen. The polar bears yeah. are gone. The ice cap will be gone. They continue to be wrong time and time again, yet they carry a lot of influence. Why is that? Yeah, it is remarkable. I think I think alarm tends to uh, sell books. It tends to sell media. As you say, we had uh, Paul Ehrlich uh, wrote a, a worldwide bestseller, The Population Bomb, in the 1960s. And he's been quoted as saying things like, well, if I'm a betting man, I, 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 there's a 50-50 chance that England will still be around by the year 2000. He predicted hundreds of millions of people were going to die. We had Al Gore who predicted, as you say, ice would be gone in the summer in the Arctic. He did that in 2008. And he said by 2014, the ice would be gone. Uh, these alarming things uh, tend to be read by the population. They, they tend to be great for media. And so we have population scares, we have acid rain scares, we have many, many things that occur. And the biggest of course now is climatism the fear of man-made global warming. And by the way, that's a term I use in the title of my first two books. It's an ideology. And we now have two presidential candidates using the term climatism. Uh, Mr. Ramaswamy and former President Trump are both using that to describe climate ideology. An interesting situation where you, know, you mentioned about climate change, the predictions that Mr. Gore made. He, he's made a lot of money off of his... Uh, global warming situation. But I, I look at, I look at as you pointed out, the weather patterns, more stable weather. Sure, I live in Southwest Florida and it went through Hurricane Ian, the, the worst in probably a century. The point is, there are things that we just can't control, no matter how smart we think we are. And yet we have people who are trying to convince the world that they know what's best. And, and it's going back to what I said earlier. It's really being driven by elitism, and there's no accountability when their predictions that they make never come true. Yeah, it is amazing. Hurricanes are another example. We had one hurricane make landfall this year in the United States, and that's below normal. It was Hurricane Adalia uh, that came ashore in Florida. 
the panhandle was a strong storm, a category three storm when it when it came across the coast. President Biden got on the uh, TV the very same day and said this was because of man-made climate change. But if you look at data from NOAA, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, we've had 300 hurricanes come ashore uh, since 1850. We had about 160 during the 20th century, and 59 of those were Category 3 or stronger. We've had 12 years when we've had two or more uh, Category 3 storms come ashore. And as a matter of fact, if you actually look at the data, the number of hurricanes making landfall in the U.S. has been declining now for about 100 years. It used to be about 20 every decade or two per year. Now we're down to about 15 every decade or about one and a half per year. So uh, despite what the press says or what the president says, we actually have a situation where hurricane landfalls are declining in the U.S., and there's no evidence that uh, man-made warming is causing storms to be stronger or more frequent. One of the areas that I have grave concern in is that if you continually try to drive down the CO2 emission, you actually start to impact the food chain because crops need a certain amount of CO2 in the atmosphere to grow and produce food sources. They do. And- and if we if we are going to continue to want to drive down CO2 emissions, we're going to drive down the food source. Well, I'm not sure we can. Anyway, I think a lot of those, uh, the rising atmospheric CO2 is driven by nature. But I like to challenge audiences when I speak to them. And a question I like to ask them is, what do cannabis growers know that the EPA apparently doesn't know? And often I get the right answer. The answer is a green grower worth his or her salt is pumping carbon dioxide into the greenhouse to make the crop go bigger and faster. Of the world's top 45 food crops that produce 95% of our food, all of them grow bigger and faster with higher levels of atmospheric carbon dioxide. Plants get bigger fruits, bigger vegetables, bigger root systems, they're more resistant to drought. If there's literally one compound we could put in the biosphere that is great for the environment, carbon dioxide is that compound Yet today we have everybody calling it a pollutant, and uh, we have uh, companies counting their carbon dioxide footprint, universities, just very, very foolish. You know, I want to go back to something else you talked about, and that was uh, population. We as a country, in fact, all the major countries, whether they're in the West or the East is irrelevant, are experiencing population decline. It's not because of global warming, it's because of aging. And In less than five years, China, which had the world's largest population, is now second to India. They lost 100 million people in their population. The people who study population patterns because of the aging process say that by 2050, a little over 25 years from now, 500 million people in China alone will die because of the aging process. But none of that is caused by global warming. But isn't isn't that a much larger number of people dying from a natural event than what's happening with CO2? Well, that was one of the great misconceptions in history and one of the saddest stories. I do cover that in my third book, Outside the Green Box, Rethinking Sustainable Development. I have a chapter on population. And after uh, Paul Ehrlich wrote his book, a population bomb. We, we And we had many, many organizations. The United Nations wouldn't uh, lend money to nations unless they had population control plans. Uh, the, the United States wouldn't. And so we had terrible stories about 
China, for example, there were an estimated 300 million forced abortions and 300 million forced sterilizations in China in the 1970s, 80s, and, and 1990s. We had this going on in South America with native people in India. Really a sad thing in history. But today, global, pop, global fertility rates are half what they were in the 1960s. And all of that happened because uh, people got wealthier, plus uh, infant mortality, so people didn't need to have so many children. And now, as you say, we have more than 70 nations where the uh, population is falling, and uh, they're trying to encourage uh, people to have more children. And so uh, we're going to get to zero population growth probably by mid-century and maybe declines after that. But again, it's the idea that the, the elites say, well, you gotta, you have, we have to force you not to have more children. You're not smart enough, Mr. Developed Country, to, to uh, manage your own population, uh, which really has been done in the course of uh, human development. I spoke to a person I know who has spent a great deal of time in China. For middle-class and upper-middle-class families in China, Chinese government abandoned the one-child policy and now is encouraging yeah. three. However, out of the big cities and the rural population, if a female child is born to a family, in many cases, they are taken out into the field and left there to die. Because if they if they take the daughter into their house, they they supposedly can't have any more children. They can't try to get a male child, and male childs are a premium in China. But there's there's as you said, there's still performing abortions, especially on the poor, and yet their population is already declining. Other countries are seeing that same kind of population. So if we do see a significant decline in the world's population over the time cycle that the climate people are talking about, another 50 years or so, what's likely to be the need for energy? Well, I think it's going to go up for a while because we have a lot of developing nations. But uh, you're right. And the great thing that happened was that although global population went from two to eight billion, the food supply increased even faster. And so today we have about 600 million people undernourished but that's down from 2 billion uh, about three decades ago. So the great thing is that farmers are producing a lot of food and we don't have to worry about, and by the way, famines are down by about a factor of 10 from the early 1900s. So all good, all good news stories about people development. We don't have to have our leaders uh, telling us uh, that we can't have children. We've been speaking with Steve Gorman. We'll be back with him in a moment. Steve is the author of The Green Breakdown, a coming renewable energy failure. Um, where can people get your book? Yeah, that's on Amazon. There are also eBooks on uh, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Google, uh, Apple, or they can go to my website, Steve Gorham, G-O-R-E-H-A-M.com, and I'll send them a signed copy. Wonderful. We'll be right back after these messages. We are Americans, male and female, from many races and cultures from all over the world. One thing above all else is we are patriots who protect our nation and defend, when necessary, our Constitution from attacks both foreign and domestic. Today, as American patriots, we must take back our country from those who want to destroy it and us. We must start by taking back our children and their education. Parents, not union, should be in charge of our children's education. We must be sure that they are taught about the greatness of America and its people. 
Our children should not be indoctrinated with the belief that parents are racist and are evil and trying to destroy the world. As patriots, we must take back our country from foreign nations who want to destroy us and our way of life. Yes, as patriots, we want America to be first. We want an open and fair trade policy, energy independence, safe cities, and secure borders where we can grow and prosper as a nation of free people. Become an American patriot. Help take back America by voting Republican. Welcome back. And we've been having a wonderful and, and informative conversation with Steve Gorm, author of a new book, The Green Breakdown, The Coming Renewable Energy Failure. I want to talk to you about an article that I saw in the last week where Forbes magazine says that the government is lying to us about the cost of electric cars. They believe that there are forty over $40,000 of subsidies per car in the production of electric vehicles. None of the major car companies have come anywhere close to making money on their clean energy cars. In fact, they're losing billions upon billions of dollars. Forbes says that this is going to be a, a, a disaster and it's not going to happen. The American people are not buying the idea that <clears throat> I can take a shorter distance by, by and do work for the environment by driving an electronic car. What do you say about that? Well, electronic vehicles, electric cars, have uh, penetrated world markets, especially. They were about 14% of uh, light, ve uh, light uh, new vehicles sold last year, only about a little under 7% in the U.S. Uh, but they have hit a speed bump. And we now have a situation where, uh, particularly in the United States, we have uh, inventories up about a factor of 300. There's very poor demand for electric pickup trucks. The, the pickup truck drivers don't seem to want to buy uh, electrics. A Ford Motor is, is losing about between forty dollars and $60,000 per EV. They're going to lose $4.5 billion this year on their EV business. Ford and GM are delaying new models. Uh, we seem to have gotten through the early adopter phase. Hey, electric cars can be cool, and they, they really accelerate fast. But when you try and get to the general population, uh, for the people that either have to go long distances or in an apartment and don't want to charge their EV with an extension cord over the sidewalk, uh, people that live in cold climates, people that uh, uh, can't afford the insurance for an electric vehicle, which is hiring a regular vehicle, uh, there are just a lot of issues. And again, I'm not opposed to electric vehicles. Uh, what we need to do is uh, not think that if everybody drives one, we'll stop the oceans from rising. And we don't need governments, uh, state governments to ban them and the federal government put all these regulations on so car manufacturers can't produce them. Uh, that's that's really the wrong policy. I live, uh, I used to live on Sanibel Island, Florida uh -huh. uh, until Hurricane Ian hit and my house was pretty well demolished. Oh my. Uh, we're in the process of trying to rebuild it. When I and, and we have a causeway that takes you from Fort Myers over to Sanibel that was washed away. I've and been so, over it. Yeah, th that was about five to six weeks. You couldn't drive from Fort Myers. Uh, and then when they opened it up, it was opened up at limited times of the day and limited amount of travel. And it was a, a real yeah. pain in the ass. However, I went out there just to take a look at the house and see what was going on because we had a contractor who was working on it when he could get across the island. My wife and I were out there and we drove past the golf course that we belonged to. They had taken all of the golf carts out of the cart barn and put them in the parking lot. I said to my wife, 
is that a plane coming out of that golf cart? So we drove into the parking lot. And by the time we drove maybe a couple of hundred yards into the golf course, half, there were 60 carts in the parking lot. 20 of them were on fire. Oh my. And by the time we made it to our house, which is about a mile away, we could sow huge black smoke. Uh, all, all of the golf carts in a matter of moments were in flames and were totally destroyed. There was a house around the corner from the golf course, half a mile. There used to be a house. It was literally gone. It burned to the ground. And we don't have any gas. Nothing is fired by gas, natural gas. It's either electric or propane. And the, the manager, I was talking to the manager of the club and what happened, he said, the house had a Tesla in the garage. The floodwaters raised high enough to impact the battery. The battery shorted, the car got on fire and exploded in the garage, which then exploded and burned the house to the ground. I started to do the research of the number of electric vehicles, including golf carts, that were having fires from the batteries. And it was amazing, the, the hundreds and thousands of fires. I saw last week an automobile company recalled, oh, I think, 1.4 million cars with defective batteries that could cause fires. So they're not safe either. Yeah, there are a lot of issues uh, with, with electric vehicles. Uh, and I, I could add a bunch of stories. There was a woman who got a loaner EV in Florida. It was a, a Mercedes or a BMW or something, and it caught fire in her house. It wasn't in her garage. It wasn't being charged even, and her, her whole house was damaged with smoke damage. Uh, lithium batteries are a big issue. And and uh, by the way, you know what the, the number one uh, source of fires in New York City is now? <laughs> what? It's not smoking. It's not cooking. It is now a lithium batteries from e-bikes. Uh, they they e had uh, from e-bikes. In, in 2020, they had about uh, 44 e-bike fires. Now it's up over 200 a year. But these things are charging and they're on the first floor. Or they're in somebody's apartment. They've had 10 people killed and 200 injured from e-bike fires this year. Uh, so I, I've told our uh, our uh, land uh, lady in, in Virginia Beach, we have a place there, a second home. I said, we don't want any tenants with e-bikes in there. So there are issues. And by the way, it impacts insurance. In England now, there's a bunch of stories. Um, there are insurers that are not, are not insuring electric vehicles because if they get into a small, convision, uh, small collision, and the battery is is bumped in any way, then it becomes a big risk for fire. And so they're calling around. It costs about five thousand pounds for a year to cover an a EV in England. Insurance rates are about seventy two percent higher in the United States hmm. for EVs over over regular uh, gasoline cars. So they have a lot of issues. And and again, I'm not against EVs, but let's get away from this idea that the government's got to force everybody to. Uh, to have an EV to try and stop the oceans from rising. That is, that's just uh, modern superstition. I think that um, <clears throat> one thing that's not being talked about is that lithium batteries are a national security risk because the, the components and, and minerals and chemicals to make the lithium batteries do not occur in the United States in any significant quantity. They're processed, and about 85% of all lithium battery components come from China. Yep, that is an issue. We got a national we have a national security issue as we 
try and push mm-hmm. away from gasoline cars and and toward these EVs. EVs uh, require about six, according to the International Energy Agency, about six times the special metals of a gasoline car. And that's uh, nickel and lithium and copper and um, cobalt. And to just give you an example, people get an EV here and they think, wow, it's environmentally friendly, but they don't see what's going on around the world. Uh, most of the mining is done in developing nations or China. For example, the Democratic Republic of Congo is the biggest producer of cobalt ore in the world, and they're using child labor and forced labor. And then they get that ore out of the hills and it goes to China for processing for batteries to produce cobalt metal. And in China, there are vast areas of land that have been polluted. There's a place called Rare Earth Lake, uh, where as far as you can see, square miles and square miles around every distance, the land has been been polluted uh, from these metal factories. And so then that goes into a battery, comes to the US and goes into your EV and you think, wow, isn't this environmentally friendly? But you don't see what's going on in in developing nations and in China to produce that battery. Right. Absolutely, you you have a you have a situation where we're not getting all of the story, and and I think that that I think the government <clears throat> is absolutely purposely not telling us what's going on. I I mentioned to you that I saw the Assistant Secretary of Energy <clears throat> for Green Policy was testifying before the Senate committee a week or so ago, and he was being questioned by Senator Cruz. So the question that the senator was looking for an answer to was, what is it going to cost and how much will it affect the temperature? And he refused to answer the question of what it costs by saying, well, there are different estimates. Finally, Senator Cruz said there are other people who've testified before this committee who've estimated, and I, I want you to understand this is what he said, the cost as best they can estimate is $50 trillion. The current yeah, deficit, the current deficit for the United States government is $33 trillion. And you want to add another $50 trillion on top of that or more? And when asked how much the temperature would be dropped, he couldn't and refused to answer. So yeah, the that's, government, by the way, that's, that's a total national debt, thirty-three trillion. And you're right; it's a, this whole climatism thing is is like building an army and never taking a hill. Uh, you just got to build the army. We got to reduce CO two emissions. But nobody knows. Nobody ever says what it's going to do for temperatures. Nobody ever says what's it going to do for for storms or polar bears or anything else. Oh, we just got to reduce CO2 emissions. Uh, nobody tells you what the cost is. It, it, it is really, it's it's an ideology. It's just crazy stuff. And uh, people need to uh, to get educate themselves and they need to ask tough questions to their leaders. Like, why do you want to raise our electricity prices? Or, or why are you banning my uh, gasoline car? And, and what difference is that going to make? And, and really pin them down on some of that. So got about two minutes left. Where did this all start? What what was the impetus to create this climate change and global warming? Yeah, so I think the world jumped to a conclusion. A bunch of computer modelers saw that uh, carbon dioxide was rising in the atmosphere, and they said, uh, this is going to cause the planet to warm. It really turns out that it's a very small part of the overall climate. Uh, There was a Senate hearing in the summer of uh, 1988, Dr. James Hansen of NASA 
A computer modeler testified. He said the earth was warming. Humans were the cause. The very next year, the United Nations set up the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. And then just three years later at the Rio de Janeiro Earth Summit, more than 40 nations in the European community signed a treaty saying they would reduce emissions. And for the last 25, 30 years, they've been arguing about how much and when to reduce them. But the uh, it's clear now that the climate models have have exaggerated the expected warming. We're not seeing more hurricanes and storms. We're not seeing more droughts and floods. And so the whole theory is, is uh, nevertheless, though, we have big volumes of money. We have whole industries, wind, solar, and biofuels pushing this. We have deans of sustainability at, at uh, universities, vice presidents of sustainability at corporations. So there's tremendous momentum behind all of this, uh, but it's not going to make a, a measurable effect on global temperatures. Well, unfortunately, Steve, we're out of time. It's been an amazing interview. Thank you much for your time. We've been speaking with Steve Gorham, who is the author of the book, Green Bake Breakdown, The Coming Renewable Energy Failure. Steve, where can you they get your book? Yeah, again, on Amazon, or the, there are eBooks on uh, Apple, uh, Barnes & Noble, Google, or they can uh, get a signed copy from me at Steve Gorham, G-O-R-E-H-A-M.com. I just want to squeeze in one more question. What kind of pushback are you getting? Well, I get this. I, I speak professionally. Certain industries just won't speak, won't uh, invite me. Uh, universities also don't want to debate the topic. It is kind of amazing. It's also one uh, one uh, thing that went up on the internet with with uh, uh, San Jose State University holding a match under my second book, uh, The Mad, Mad, Mad World of Climatism. So I get some pushback, but uh, eventually the science and the economics are going to win out. Thank you for joining us. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Dan. We'll be right back after these messages. Thank you for joining us today. And we'd like to hear your comments or questions. So go to bwradionetwork.com. That's bwradionetwork.com. And give us your questions or comments. And thanks for joining us today.